live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Duvernay and Ricard stacked to the right. Jackson rolls to the right, throws to Drake at the four, turns the corner, touchdown Ravens! Duvernay in motion to the left, he'll get the handoff of the jet sweep, gets a block, he's at the 10, five, touchdown! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Yeah! Horse racing! Let's go! Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Get the ponies across the finish line. We got the horse racing game right near us. Happy hour going on right now at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Scared the hell out of the people over there. But you know what? You know this, Candy. The horse players yell and scream, so we can yell and scream, right? We can do what we want. It's a Friday. It's 5 o'clock. Let's friggin' go. Come on. Boy, I'm fired. Yeah! I'm getting spunky. I'm getting chippy. Hey! I have no idea what happened during the national anthem of the baseball game. Um, I guess I don't even know who sang it, but when I when I looked up, I thought he was doing a good job, but apparently he messed up the words. So uh, our our patriots across America are very angry that the words got screwed up. So I have to look into that one. Got to do a little research. Can't manage everything that's going on right now. It's crazy. VGK going to the third. The Ducks. The Ducks. <laughs> Four nothing. VGK is on top. So good start there. Like I said, World Series first pitch is coming up here. In just a couple of seconds, we got a Raiders weekend in New Orleans. You fired up, Candy? Come on! Yeah! Did I do that as well as you? I'm trying. I need a sounder, but we don't have one right now, so I was fine. Nope. I just nope. wanted to calm nope. down. Nope. I want to take a breath. Yeah. I needed a break. Yep, looking for a sounder. I feel like you're mocking on my, my yelling Where's and screaming. Where's the sounder? Where's the All right, sounder? well, you, you – um, you're amazing. You have a crystal ball. At Thank home. you. You sent over. Thank you. No, you can stop right there. Yeah, I know. Let's go to break. Uh, on you are amazing. You sent over notes and discussion points. I'll take you behind the curtain. The whole show is rehearsed. But you wanted to make a point, and you briefly did earlier. But I want you to repeat it at length here about the Knights and their scoring, and they're out to a four nothing lead here. And lo and behold, look at how the scoring is breaking down. I mean, look, it's it's a talent that I like to share with people here mm. on local FM radio. Okay. Uh, when I can predict things, I could go out there and make a lot of money in the betting market, or yes. can you, I can come share it with the Cofield and Company audience. What Michigan, do I choose? Michigan 23 against Michigan State. Can you look in the crystal ball and get that one right, please? Nope. Nope. You nope. need to win can't that do one. It. Okay. Nope. Can't do it. Uh, the Golden Knights as we talked about in the preseason, are going to be a team that's top-heavy, right? They're going to be kind of stars in the scrubsy. They're going to have a lot of big salaries, and they're going to be filling in the roster with a lot of guys that you hope will perform well. Well, what have you seen so far today with four different goal scorers? Basically, you've seen what you've already seen from the Golden Knights in the first part of this season. Let me quote to you from the ESPN.com Power Rankings. The white-hot Golden Knights have gotten at least one point from 19 of their 20 skaters this season. Vegas has already had... 14 different goal scorers. That's not what we expected out of the Golden Knights, right? We expected that this was going to be a team that would have to rely heavily on its top six forwards. And if they're going to get that kind of scoring 
and you're going to get the goaltending that you've had, then you can start to bring the expectations up a little bit for VGK. You can bring them back up to, frankly, where they've been the past few years instead of saying that this is a team that you hope makes the playoffs and can ride it out a little bit. And for those who are going to talk about the competition level and the fact that the Ducks are terrible and a lot of the opponents early in the season have been terrible, you're right. Just remember last year when they weren't beating those teams. World Series first pitch. Going down here in just a second. Verlander, Nola. You know, we were just mentioning, hmm, that's interesting. Anyway, we were just talking about the uh, the National Anthem, and uh, Eric Burton sang it, African-American. Kind of a unique look for the World Series this time around. The demographics of the teams have changed over time. What's a little bit alarming about this World Series with the Phillies and the Astros? So in the mid-1960s, Roughly 17% of players were African-American. This year, in all of Major League Baseball, it's 8%. And in this World Series in particular, there are no U.S.-born black players on either roster. And when you look at the game overall, you see that the way baseball has trended has been to this weird thing. And my friends are into it, too, with their kids, and I don't totally get it, where you're out here playing travel ball and tournaments with seven and eight year olds and what you're doing is you're making baseball more exclusive it was already a hard sport to get into because of the fact that you have to have a certain amount of equipment you got to have teams you got to have organizations in areas that don't often have them frankly got to have fields in areas that don't often have them but what you do when you take these sports and you make them pay to play endeavors where the only way to get seen is to go out to these big perfect game tournaments and play in these three-day travel ball events where you have to be able to pay the money not only to play in the tournament, but to have the uniforms and to travel to these places. It's, it's a lot, and it doesn't encourage representation from a lot of different communities that don't have the money to do it. So you can point and say, oh, well, there are a lot of, there are a lot of Latin American players in baseball, right, from Latin American countries where... It's, the uh, yeah, sport the, is number one, and you have teams investing in it in Latin yeah. America. And the entry to play the sport is nothing, basically. Of nothing. course, because it's not it's no, it, because it's not big travel ball tournaments where everyone's taking the family to Vegas to try to you know get seen. When we have rankings of twelve and thirteen year olds online. Did you play baseball? How long did you play baseball for? Up until what age? <laughs> I played baseball until I was a freshman in high school. I remember being out there in high school, and we were just playing long toss freshman year and I was playing with one of our senior pitchers a guy named Anthony Compton and we were just playing long toss and I didn't realize that the way I threw the ball had a little natural tail to it and so I had a little bit of a, as they say now arm side run on my ball well Anthony Compton thought I was messing with him and decided to fire back at me with a 17 year old slider back at a 14 year old who had no idea it was coming that thing cracked my shin so hard. Really? I got a baseball-sized welt, and the baseball coach uh, at, at my school, rest in peace, uh, Tim Chambers, uh, looked at me like, oh, my God, kid, are you all right? Are you going to make it? It's about when I realized my baseball career might be over. Yeah, with the cost of baseball, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what my parents would have done because it's, it's pricey. And, and like you said, the other part of it is it's, like, it's such a specialty now. A lot of baseball players don't play anything else. So I always like playing all different sports. So who knows Who knows what would have happened. But it certainly wasn't a concern. I'm old. But it you know, wasn't a concern some 40 years ago that 
you could be priced out of baseball. But in a lot of ways, that's you know that's the the case around the country with uh, you know kids and families who can't afford it. And you talk about specialization. That's a whole other thing. To the parents out there, please let your kids play other sports, please. And you'll hear athletes talk about it today, where you're still in an era of athletes where there are some guys who are in their 30s who weren't super specialists growing up, who did play multiple sports coming up. You develop your body in a different way. You develop different motor skills. You develop different camaraderie, depending yep. on how the sport goes. Yes, you're going to have coaches who try to say to you, you're a 12-month-a-year basketball player, football player. If you're that good an athlete, trust me, they'll deal with it if you're not there 12 months. By the way, we've already seen the effect of specializing in sports hit football. There are a ton of football players, we'll point to quarterbacks, who never played baseball. And how is it obvious? Can't slide. We have quarterbacks all over the NFL and college football. No, no idea how to slide. Not that they're, they're, they're not athletic enough. Of course they are. No idea how to slide. Not something they spend as much time on as they do now in the football. No. More headlines at five. Oh, boy. So you just busted my chops last hour. You're like, how'd you put it about uh, feeling a little confident in the Jets? I'm just saying you notorious dark cloud guy, Steve Cofield, yes. told me that because you heard from a former NFL player that the Jets are good, that you now believe the Jets are good. And <laughs> yes. I just love come join me. Come join me over here in the in the beautiful light of hope, Steve Cofield. I know. I told I, told, I as a Giants fan, I'm in. I'm I in. told you two weeks ago. I told you two weeks ago. You as a Giants fan, you're a fool for doing that, and I'm not oh, in yeah. the Jets. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I'm really not in. I was kind of kidding with Troy Stratford nope. about you nope. know. Hey, I now. asked him if, if they're good, and he said yes. Um, I think the Jets can have a decent season. I hate the fact that while feeling good for a couple of minutes last week that Brees Hall winds up tearing his ACL, who's one of the reasons they've come out of the gates here at 5-2. and two. And what I don't need to see, when you've got such a history, and again, if folks don't know, I'm a Jets fan, and Candy is a Giants fan, what I don't need to see are Jets coaches trying to talk a little trash. Jeff Albrecht, D.C. for the Jets, was talking about New England annihilating the Jets a year ago, 54-13. Quote, shot still being taken on us. Wasn't fired up about it. I remember the score. I remember a lot of things. Looking forward to this one. Bruh. No need. Okay? No need. That's yeah, around the team, you do that. Don't be doing, you know, quiet threats at Bill Belichick. We know the way this usually goes. Cut it out. They're not so quiet, are they? Those aren't no, quiet no, threats. No, that wasn't. No, those that are wasn't subtle threats. You, uh, really, it, I understand the Patriots are down after last week, but poking Belichick seems like a particularly bad idea when he needs a little bit of motivation coming off getting shellacked at home by the Chicago Bears. And by the way, uh, you want to talk about how you're looking for reasons to believe now? So Brees Hall goes down. And what does Joe Douglas do for you? What does the GM of the Jets go to? He, gets, he, he goes he and gets you James Robinson. He, tried. he goes and gets you James Robinson. Yep. Look at that. You get a thousand yard back from last year brought in to help yep. uh, notorious uh, competition for your gilfs, Zach Wilson, run the offense. They've been trying. When, you know, when it looked like disaster at left tackle, they went out and signed a tackle on Dwayne Brown, who, of course, immediately got hurt. But you know, he's being worked back in. 
So they got help there. They got help at running back. So I, I like it. I like the direction. I like the direction. It's not completely pathetic as it has been in the past. Let's talk a little Raiders. This is this is a bizarre media market for the Raiders. They they just got here. And it, it's as an NFL market, it's very much different than almost every other NFL market because many of the media people in traditional NFL markets grew up with the team. I'm not saying they're fans, but they grew up with the team. None of us did. So what we've got is a media group that I actually think is incredibly objective, which is what fans and non-fans of the Raiders should look for. I don't think having fans as media people is super productive. But what's really interesting is we have a chance here to enjoy the ride that we're covering. And part of the ride with the Raiders is Josh Jacobs kind of defying the organization. He didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. Everyone was like, ooh, all right, I guess they don't want Jacobs. And then you know about the background of the Patriots guys. They they don't, you know, they're not interested in having giant name running backs for big money. So as Jacobs is breaking out here, Candy, and he's what, number one rated PFF running back, right, in the NFL, we've got a whole group of media people, especially on our stations, who I don't know that you have to enjoy the ride, but your narrative with a guy busting out and having a big year is, you know what, he's good, but still don't pay him. And it's like, wait, what other market would do this? I think you're all smart football people. And I'm talking about you, Adam Candy, Bischoff in the morning, Adam Hill, who's on this show. Like, that's been the narrative as he's breaking out. And I, like I said, I actually agree with you, but it, it did hit me this morning. I was like, this is really, really weird that that's a storyline. Like, no matter how well he does, don't do it. Don't pay a running back. Don't you do it. Go ahead. <laughs> Literally, that's how I sent it to you. I sent you a voice note on, on my phone earlier and said, Don't you do it! Don't you do it, Dave Ziegler! No. Right now, here are, here are the top paid running backs <laughs> in the NFL. Yes. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, James Conner. Top 10 paid running backs in the NFL. Let's take a look at the guys averaging the most yards per attempt this year. Justice Hill, Khalil Herbert, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, Cordero Patterson, Nick Chubb, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. I can go deeper into the stats if you want, but this is only a three-hour show. Uh, do not pay a running back top dollar because you do not get the return on investment. And if you look at it and say, well, Josh Jacobs is different. No, he's not. What did we just hear from Josh McDaniels? We haven't had to put the same wear and tear on him. What's happened every time they've put the same wear and tear on Josh Jacobs? He's gotten hurt because no one has a bell cow back anymore. No one has the guy who runs 80 plus percent of the snaps like Josh Jacobs has. It's just not the way of the NFL. Christian McCaffrey makes the most average per year of any running back in the NFL. His team just went and dumped him. Alvin Kamara plays for a team that has won two games this year. Ezekiel Elliott is the most overpaid player in the entire NFL. Dalvin Cook at number five or number four. Dalvin Cook right now is averaging the 17th most yards per attempt in the league and the 17th most yards after contact. It doesn't age well. And this team invested big money in Derek Carr, in Devontae Adams, in Darren Waller, in Hunter Renfro. They developed passing. 
as the need for this team and went and paid for it. Well, in that case, you don't pay Josh Jacobs too, no matter how well he plays, no matter how good he is. And I'll tell you what, I look at Saquon Barkley for the Giants, I'm going to tell you the exact same thing. They're 6-1. and one. He's been awesome. They better not pay him at the end of this year. Short-term deal. I'm going to sell you on this. Short-term deal. No four-year deal. No five. No $40 million guaranteed. $25 million for two years for Jacobs. 18 guaranteed. Come on. Come on. You do it. You do it. Come on. So you're telling me the guarantee is going to be nine per year. He's not taking that deal coming off this season. No way. I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think he will. What I'm saying is if I'm – if that's the way I would run my organization. In the most special of cases, that might be the max I go with a running back. But you're right. There's going to be someone else. There'll be three or four teams who are going to be willing to give them four, you know, 14 a year and guarantee over $20 million. Well, let's get off the argument about, uh, about talking about should you pay or not and talk about – whether local media is fans of the team or likes the team or anything like that. You know what we are? You know what Bischoff and me and Hill are? We're just people who've gotten smarter with more information over time. I've In the past, you tell me in 1986, when I'm a Giants fan as a kid and they draft Saquon Barkley, I'm over the moon. I'm as thrilled as you could be that they're going to make Saquon Barkley one of the five highest paid running backs in the league because it mattered then. Give you know Joe Morris a big deal! Give I Dave can't believe Megan, you're not going to yeah. pay O.J. Anderson. Oh, there's a special place in my heart for the O.J. Anderson windup uh, that he delivered in the Super Bowl <laughs> against the Bills, don't you? Don't you tease me. I might pay him just for that. Oh, we have more information. Yep. We're smarter. We use the information that's available to us. Notice the word I'm not using when I talk about information. So it starts with an A. Everybody hates it, but it's information you use to make smarter decisions. Knights up 4-0 right now, 13 minutes left in the game. They're leading the Ducks in this afternoon tilt on Nevada Day. We're watching here at Treasure Island. Come on down, enjoy. Happy hour at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Tomorrow the players are going to be out and about, including Alec Martinez. You can meet, greet Alec Martinez, autographs, pictures, free food, port of subs, raising canes, and crumble cookies. You want to know where it is? It's 1.30, AutoNation, Toyota on uh, West Sahara near Rainbow, AutoNation, Toyota, West Sahara near Rainbow. Ryan, the hockey guy, is going to be on the scene as well. It starts at 1.30. That's tomorrow. Rainbow and Sahara, the Toyota dealership. Alec Martinez, go meet and greet. Enjoy some free food at 1.30. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch, live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. So a lot of wacky stuff happening around the NFL, Candy. Last night, the Buccaneers lose. They're 3-5 and five now. Brady's never been two games under 500 as a quarterback in the NFL. I think the last time he was the quarterback on a team that uh, was two games under 500 like this was actually 1998. At Michigan, has never lost three in a row yet, and that's in the NFL, yet... The NFC South, Falcons are three and four, Bucks three and five, Panthers two and five, Saints are two and five. This is going to sound crazy, but the Saints have a lot to play for because unlike the AFC West, where the Raiders aren't going to catch the Chiefs, Raiders are certainly in competition for an AFC playoff berth. Am I crazy in thinking if the Saints win this game, then the Saints are right there as 
I might actually, if the Saints win this game against the Raiders, I would actually consider the Saints the favorite to win the freaking division, the NFC South. My nuts? I, I, a little bit, only because the Atlanta Falcons are going to win the NFC South. And I have receipts on this from more than two weeks ago. You can find me on many different outlets saying, take the Atlanta Falcons plus 650 at the time nice. to win the NFC South. Not just because of the fact that the Bucks were playing poorly, but because if you look at what the Falcons have done up until last week against Cincinnati, which I expected they were not going to play particularly well, the Atlanta Falcons not only had won three games, but they had been very close in the ones that they had lost. And I don't care that they're not throwing the ball because the Atlanta Falcons need to minimize variance as much as possible. You want Marcus Mariota to just run the option college style? Then let him. It's fine. That's the best chance the Falcons have. Oh, by the way, the easiest remaining schedule by pro football focus strength of schedule in the NFL belongs to the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to face a weak schedule the rest of the way. I ultimately think that's the team that has the most identity, that knows exactly what it's trying to do right now in that division. They have the best chance to go out there and somehow sneak into the playoffs at something like 8-9. and nine. Bucks are still a big favorite at 155. Falcons are 290. Saints are 550. The Panthers are 14 to one. You're going to hear a lot more of this great sports talk from Gooch and Willie tomorrow right here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar Treasure Island to do breakfast on the weekend. So tomorrow for college football, your choice of the uh, Chorizo Con Papa's Breakfast Bowl. they got a uh, breakfast sandwich. They've got chicken uh, chilaquiles, if I can say it, and the uh, quesadilla, the breakfast meat lover's quesadilla. So check it out on a Friday afternoon like we are today or on Saturday and Sunday. The Sportsbook is here. The kiosks are open 24 hours a day. There's 55-plus TVs at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. So uh, check it out very, very soon if you can. Up next, NFL insider Mark McMillan, the former Eagle, is in with Cofield and company. Join Cofield and company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2 4 and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. I think it's going to be Mark McMillan. Watch, he has the ball. Now watch McMillan, number 29. He did. He went in there, stripped it out. Former NFL cornerback and ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan is live on Cofield and Company now. Back here, Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bars. We're in the 5 o'clock hour. Let's bring in our NFL insider Mark McMillan. Eight years in the league, much of the time spent with the Philly Eagles. All right, last night, another disaster for the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. What the hell is going on, Mark? It's internal, obviously. You know, uh, guys can say that they don't listen to the outside media and what's going on, but it's kind of hard, uh, you know, because there's so much surrounding, it seems like the demise of Tom Brady. Everybody wants to see him just crumble right in front of our eyes along with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, as a former player, man, you just hate to see guys go out like that. Um, you know, it's a competitive game, but, you know, not everybody can do it. And just to see, uh, you know, the demise and uh, the, the turmoil, you know, you see players chirping back at the head coach, uh, you know, so it's just like, man, did he lose the locker room already? You know, what's going on? I know they've been battling injuries a lot. Um, you know, and guys, if you look at some of the plays that he was he was making, guys were dropping balls. Uh, you know, the defense was not the defense that we have come accustomed to. Uh, they were just getting gashed in the running game. Uh, the Ravens were down wide receivers, and they were killing them with the rookie tight end. So it was like, you know, is all the blame on Tom in the offense, or is this a, a collective demise of the whole team? But it starts from the top. 
You know, it's really none of our business, but as viewers of football, it kind of is. I mean, it becomes official this morning that Brady and Giselle are getting divorced. She filed for divorce. I mean, that's got to be part of this, right? He seems so off from what he's been in the past. Yeah, and, and you could see it in his eyes. It's almost like you can see, like, the passion is not there. Uh, I've never seen him really that frustrated in a game. Um, you know, yelling at players, yelling at, uh, you know, yelling at coaches. Uh, you know, so, obviously, man, when you're going through, thank God I've never been through that. Uh, you know, when you're going through some stuff that, uh, you know, affects your whole livelihood, uh, losing your wife, you know, it's just, just not some lady that she just found off the street. This is Giselle. This is a this is a dime piece is what we call it in the hood. Uh, but, you know, when you have that kind of, you know, he's got kids. Uh, so it's just going to affect everything about anybody, you know, if we have to go through that situation. You know, it's crazy, though, from a football standpoint, you know, if we want to compare and contrast, divorcing your wife is a big deal. Losing your center and both of your guards when you're on the field, that's much bigger. It really yeah. is. I'm not, I'm not making light of his divorce, but, like, they haven't really seemed to recover from the fact that they got beat the crap in the middle, and that has historically been where if you pressure Tom Brady up the middle, everything gets thrown off. Yeah, because he can't get outside the pocket. Um, you know, you saw last night. I've seen him roll out more the last couple of games than I've probably seen him roll out his entire career. And that's just not his ball game. You know, rolling out. Uh, he he's he's laying down getting sacked now. I think the number's like 555 or 556. Uh, he just passed Ben Rothenberg for the most uh, quarterback sacks uh, ever. Uh, so, you know, he's getting beat up. And like you mentioned, when you lose your guy up front, your center, that's your guy. And when you lose that, he lost him, what, before the season even started? Right at the beginning of uh, training camp. Yeah, right at the beginning. And and then Ali Marpet, one of the guards, retired. Another guard went yeah. down. So he's just, he's busted up, up the middle. And we're talking history here. This is a guy who hasn't been uh, two games under 500 ever as a starting quarterback. He hasn't lost three in a row ever in his career. So this is, these are nutty times. Now, on the other side, right, there's so much criticism that goes at Lamar Jackson and, I guess he's going to have to win a Super Bowl to shut everyone up. Yeah. Last yeah, night, yeah. he was masterful in running that offense, like you said. It, it's a really good team. Like I said, uh, you know, they had a lot of injuries as well. You know, Stanley is just really coming back, uh, you know, from his injuries. Uh, Kendra, Kenyon Drake is a really big part of their game plan right now, who's looking refreshed, you know, who the Raiders let go as well. Uh, so, you know, as, as a whole, you know, what, what Lamar is able to do you know, first quarter, first half, he was just kind of, you know, going through the motions, some bad throws. But as the game got on and he got his confidence up, you saw Lamar Jackson, the guy that everybody's afraid of uh, as a defensive coordinator. He was able to make plays with his feet. Uh, he was able to make plays with his with his eyes as well as his arm. Uh, so, like you said, it's a dangerous team. And, you know, with Cincinnati losing, uh, you know, their top receiver, you know, Joe Burrow's losing his top guy. You know, that division is, is starting to get a little tighter now. Mark McMillan, our football insider, is here with us. We've been working with Mark for years and years and years, the former Eagle, eight-year vet in the National Football League. And now you're breaking through in TV. So tell people <laughs> what you're doing with Channel 8 um, on the mornings of Raiders games. Yeah, man, I'm excited, man, to join the Channel 8 uh, family Raiders uh, game day live. So now you're not just going to hear my voice. You can see my beautiful face every Sunday morning at 8 a.m., <laughs> Uh, breaking down the Raiders live, man. So, like I said, I've been uh, here for a while. Uh, me and Steve, we've been doing our uh, this show, this segment for years. Uh, now I'm just excited, man, to team up with you know with Ron and those guys over there at Channel Eight, man. It's a it's a blessing to be able to uh, bring football early in the morning. So uh, you can now have a cup of coffee and see my face <laughs> Sunday mornings, <laughs> nice and early with Mark McMillan. What's bigger for you, 
the TV gig or the branded olive oil that's on the way? Oh, man, that, that's a good question. That's a good. But I'm going to say it goes hand in hand because I can actually brand the olive oil while on the show. So, you know, I know we're talking about doing a live Grillin' McMillan cooking session maybe before the Chiefs game because, you know, it's barbecue and all that. So I'll be able to, you know, slide a little olive oil in there, a little barbecue sauce and, you know, maybe, you know, give away some olive oil. So make sure you wake up in the morning every Sunday, Channel 8 here in Las Vegas, the Raiders game day live now it's it's not beyond me to uh, go at mark and bust his chops a little bit <laughs> so you played a lot of football in philly you grew up in la both in compton and where'd you go to high school the valley right the valley like cobra yeah, i'm a valley guy <laughs> i i wake up today and i see a tweet about the phillies are you dodgers or phillies what's going on here oh, well I, I bleed blue i bleed blue but you know being in philly you know all those years you can't help. You see all the players that ever played in Philly. Uh, you know, you see Brian Dawkins. He was talking about the Phillies. Uh, you know, Hollis Thomas, Ike, you know, all those guys. You know, we all play for different teams. But when you get drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, man, you, you root for the Phillies. You root for the Sixers. You root, you know, you root for those guys. I was there when they, you know, went to the World Series. I had an opportunity to go when they played against the Braves. And they also lost, you know, to Toronto on the on the blast that was heard around the world. Mitch Williams gave up the GOAT. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I've been following this team for a long time. Obviously, the Dodgers are out of the, out of it. So now I got to go with Philly, man. I got to I gotta cheer it on. And Bryce Harper, you know, a lot of people were on him for the last couple of years, but, man, he is on fire right now. That's interesting. We've been talking about Bryce a lot this week. It's not always a guarantee when star players go to Philly. Yeah, he, he's Philly through and through now, man. He's a legend right now. And, you know, obviously, Kelsey, you see all his annex, man. He's with the Fanatic. Uh, he's chugging beers on the field. Uh, so everybody's buying in, man. The Eagles are flying high. They're undefeated. So it's a great time to be in Philadelphia unless you are Sixer fans. I don't know what the hell is going on yeah. with Doc Rivers and the Sixers. James Harden gets paid a lot of money. He hasn't embraced the Philly culture yet. I don't know what's his deal. No, they want to run uh, Doc and uh, and Harden out on a rail, and right now those guys are not matching. Yeah, I think well, most of all you got to deliver, but you also have to be honest, and they they, uh, they can call out BS artists pretty quickly. Um, Raiders fans are kind of like that. Um, yeah, I don't know what's been going on with Darren Waller. You know, off the field, we know he's had a lingering hamstring issue. I know you were out of practice this week. Yeah, you saw him out there ready to come back at tight end, and what an addition he could be to this offense to balance things out, so that you know teams aren't playing. Uh, you know, coverage double, you know, doubling on Adams. He should be able to open things up, but he's got to stay on the field. Yeah, he's got to stay on the field. He looked great the other day. You know, he's running routes, uh, you know, but we've seen this before, you know, so we just got to see it over a long period of time if he's able to play 60 minutes at a high level. Uh, like I said, this offense is really hard to stop. Uh, even with him out of the lineup, they're still being successful. Uh, you know, obviously Devontae Adams getting doubled, but that's just opening up the running game for Josh. You know, the Texans were playing that cover two with the safeties back, and Josh was just gashing them uh, with the running game. Uh, the offensive line played really well in the second half. First half was a little, little sporadic, but, you know, once those big guys started getting it going in the, in the second half, uh, Josh was, was was amazing. You know, he went over, what, 100 yards for three straight uh, weeks, which is a Raiders record, and you think of all the great running backs that played for the uh, Raiders, so that's big for that young man. Obviously, this is his contract year, and he's running – like it's a contract year. <laughs> yeah, and on, on his rushing total, so he's gone over 143 weeks in a row. There haven't been many guys in Raiders history to do that. I know Napoleon Kaufman was the last one. Bo did it. Marcus Allen did it. Believe it or not, Marcus yeah. had the 100-yard 
uh, game streak record. He actually did it 11 times in a row. At the end of 85 into 86, he did it 11 times in a row. So Jacobs is up there with some of the best running backs in the history of the Raiders. Andy Dalton's interesting because he's long in the tooth. He's not a great quarterback. But, you know, against the Cardinals, he threw four touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions. There were some tip issues. He threw two pick sixes. So as a as a cornerback, when you go into a game where you know it's going to probably be a, a gunslinger-type game, how do you prep mentally to take advantage of some of the mistakes but also not overcommit? Um, I'm getting my I'm getting my uh, my handkerchief ready. I'm getting my forks and my knives. I'm getting ready to eat. I am feeling great about this situation. You know, obviously, you know, losing Nate Hobbs in the secondary was big for those guys. And, you know, they struggled uh, at times against the Texans, uh, you know, a couple of blown coverages. Uh, but that's just a lack of experience, and those guys need to gel a little bit more. Uh, but when you're going against a wounded Saints, you don't know what kind of players they're going to have out there. Uh, Andy Dalton is a journeyman. Uh, you know, so it's like you when you get ready for a quarterback like that, you look at your bonuses, you call up your agent, and you make sure that your bonuses is in that clause because there's going to be times that the secondary is going to have the opportunity to get interceptions, and that just leads to more points for the offensive side of the ball. Mighty Mac is with us on a Friday as we're here at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Come on down today for happy hour. Join Willie Ramirez and Gooch tomorrow as they do the live show around college football from 9 to 11. Speaking of college football, Mark, UNLV in a slide here. They're in a bye week. Uh, injuries beat the hell out of them, and it, and it hit at the worst time because they went against possibly three of the most physical teams they were going to play all year in San Jose State, then Air Force, then Notre Dame. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, man. You know, I feel for these young men because I know, you know, they put in a lot of work. And, you know, I just want the fans to be like, you know, first things like, oh, here we go again. No, this team has been going through a lot of injuries. And, you know, like I said, at the worst time in conference games. And, you know, so it, it, it's hurt them really, really bad. This gives them an opportunity to heal up and rest up and, and get some key players back at, at key positions, especially the quarterback position. You know, you know, if you get Brunfield back, that just changes the whole dynamic of the offense. And, you know, hopefully those guys can get healthy. Um, there's still a lot of football to play. You know, I still picked them to win, to go get a bowl game. So I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still okay. I think what you would five or six games in your bowl eligible. So they still have an opportunity to, uh, you know, accomplish a, a lot during this season and make it to a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. And it's different everywhere. You know, the Rebels have made a bowl game since uh, 2013 at Texas A&M they're expected to go to bowl games but you know a six win bowl game is crap for them uh, they, they're expected to win nine ten eleven games and it's not going well what do you make of what's happening at Texas A&M and this feels like it's coming unraveled quickly and yet Jimbo Fisher has like an 80 million dollar buyout so I don't know that he can just walk away from Jimbo Man, uh it's bad over there um you know I guess it all started in, in preseason you know with him and Nick Saban going back and forth uh talked about players getting paid uh, but obviously they're making a lot of money. They're over there smoking in the locker room. So, you know, bowl game, those guys are smoking bowls in the locker room. I've never heard anything like that, especially college kids. You know, you know kids get busted and get kind of swept under the rug. But for the culture of that program, if you, kids feel that comfortable that they can blaze up in the locker room, what are they doing outside of the locker room? Right. How undisciplined is the program? Uh, you know, I'll give you the other thing on Texas A&M that I think they've blown. There's a bunch of schools like A&M that have used NIL to get players, like everyone does. Alabama does it. Ohio State does it. You know, USC does it. But to me, promoting it out front as almost like a point of bragging and thinking yeah. that it's going to draw more players is a big mistake because it puts that public knowledge puts so much more pressure on the players. We know Bama does it. I mean, yeah. you, you know, Saban briefly mentioned that Bryce Young was making – uh, you know, good money, uh, over seven figures. But you're not, yep. like, pounded out front with it. I just think all that NIL stuff, 
should be in-house. You don't need to publicize it. If it gets out, it gets out. But it's just setting up this pressure situation for some of these players and programs. I agree. Um, you know, you, you look at Texas, uh, you look at, you know, the big time programs, you know, it's not it's not known that, you know, these kids are getting the bag. And, you know, Jimbo is that kind of guy. You look at Georgia. You don't think those guys are getting great deals down there. They won a national title. Uh, you know, you look at Tennessee who blundered it. You know, they 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 it was the coach's fault. I would say it started from the top and that's why they got in trouble. They got busted. But when you put a target on yourself about, hey, come here, you know, we can give you this and we can give you that. Um, of course, kids are going to go there, even if they're not good. And we know about the star rankings. Just because you ranked a five star doesn't mean that's going to equate to your play on the football field. But you already got your money. So you're like, hey, they already gave me my money. So I'm good. Well, it's out front. It's very public. Back to the NFL. Russell Wilson is out front and very public. And I <laughs> wonder what you think of the story that came out. And he told it about working out on the plane and doing his you know, high knees and all that. Would that bother you? If you played with Russell Wilson, or you just kind of know what Russ is, that he's always been one of these characters who's, who's he's kind of weird, but I think he's embraced the weirdness. Yeah, you just, it, it's Russ, and, you know, he, he's a winner. He's won the Super Bowl. That's a, just, that's a lot that I can say for myself. Uh, you know, so, you know, it, it's crazy. It's a little bit out of the box, uh, but he's that kind of guy. And, you know, I've played with Randall Cunningham, who was very controversial with, after his injuries coming in, and why not me at shirts? He had gold tip shoestrings. Uh, he had all this stuff going on outside of football. But as defensive players, it was like, man, that's just random. You know, let's just go out and, and play game, play the game. Uh, you know, you look at the Herschel Walker, who was big in the news nowadays, and all the stuff that came with him. Oh, he doesn't lift weights. He doesn't work out. You know, we didn't bother. We didn't buy into all that stuff. We just went out and played football. And, you know, with the social media, the way things are, they just blow it out of proportion. At the end of the day, can Russ – move the ball up and down the field and win games. If he's going high knees for, for four hours, good for Russell. I wish I could do high right. knees for four hours. <laughs> I know, right? Mark McMillan's with us. Let's close on your Eagles. <laughs> Playing really well right now. Man, how about making a trade for another defensive lineman and a good one in Robert Quinn? Man. I love the I love the aggressiveness right now with Philly. It's like, hey, we're, we, you know, we're in a good position here in the NFC. Let's go for the ring. Yeah, with Quinn, addition, obviously, you know, with what, I think he had like 18 and a half sacks or something like that last year. Um, you know, he just played, you know, against the Patriots, and then all of a sudden you see him walking into the the, the Eagles' office. Uh, you know, how are, those guys are going all in right now, and, you know, you can't blame them with what they've been seeing over the, you know, first couple of weeks. It's like, you know, we got to see what we got, see how Jalen progresses. Uh, you know, that we know the defense is going to be good, but that D-lineman, those D linemen that they have, man, they got first rounders. Obviously, you got the linebacker first round out of Georgia. You know, Slay is playing at an all time high right now in the secondary. Uh, so those guys are clicking on all cylinders. And, you know, when you get that kind of love and, and support from the management up top, you know, a lot of people have been on Howie's head. They wanted to fire him last year. And now all of a sudden, you know, Howie's making these moves that we're like, whoa. And I don't think they're done yet. You know, they're going to go out and get probably a running back. I know Camaro name was coming up a lot, but he's got some, some legal issues. Uh, you got Hunt over there in Cleveland that could probably be a, a good addition, especially late in the season when it starts getting cold because he's a he's a power running back. So man, the Eagles are going all in. I see the Chiefs. You know they went and got the you know receiver from the Giants. Uh, the Bills haven't made any moves yet, so everybody is jockeying for position right now. And with the Ravens, the way they looked last night, you know I'm sure they're probably going to try to you know get into some deals as well to kind of shore up uh, that defensive line that they have. You know Calais Campbell's been hurt. Uh, you know, he was sick last night and he's getting a little older, but 
you know, it, it's going to be pretty exciting, man, down the road. But the birds, Steve, the birds are making good moves, baby. <laughs> They're making good moves, and we'll see what happens now when they start really playing in the division. Now the uh, the Giants-Eagles, Cowboys-Eagles games become really important the second go-around with the Cowboys and the Eagles. You got anything on the menu this weekend? Anything special? Oh, man, uh, I got some chili. I got some turkey chili that I made. Um, I'm, I'm adding some Trogues beer from Hershey, Pennsylvania. You All probably right. that. It's, it's a nice little stout beer that I'm going to add to the uh, to the chili. That's going to be real nice. I know some people put brisket in their chili. Some people use ground beef or ground chuck. I'm going to be a little healthy and use turkey. So turkey chili with a little onions, a little homemade uh, tomatoes, sun-dried tomatoes, fire-roasted tomatoes, and that Trogues beer, that stout beer is going to take it to another level. Nice. Grillin' McMillan. <laughs> up on the web, up on Twitter, Mark McMillan 29 on Twitter. Big things happening. Congrats on the Channel 8 gig, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. NFL insider Mark McMillan, eight years in the NFL, much of the time spent with the Eagles. We roll on here from Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bars. We go into the grab bag and get you some NFL picks for Week 8 around the league. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Cofield and company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. World Series Game 1, Astros 2-0 in the third over the Phillies. Get in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Candy, how much are you paying attention to the early start of the NBA season? Not only what's happening at the top, because I know we talked the other day about the Suns and the Warriors, but the bottom where everyone is supposed to be losing for Victor Weminyama. Have we come up with a good name for it yet, by the way? Have we come up with a, a catchy name for, I mean, like, tanking for Wemby doesn't really do it no, for it me. No, it doesn't. Someone's got to come up with something good. S- sucking for Scoop? Yeah, because I, in the NFL, I think suck for Stroud is pretty solid. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. mean, I don't think anything's ever going to be Tank for Tua. That was probably the best one. It feels that like that was one well. of the original ones. Um, it, it did. And, yeah, uh, everyone at the bottom is going to be trying to get worse, right? Like, Are did, they? Didn't Utah, didn't Utah trade everybody away? Didn't they trade I, everybody I saw they had? Uh, one of our buddies who does radio in Salt Lake, uh, Scott Garrard, who does the uh, play-by-play for Utah State, when he saw Victor Wabanyama, uh video of him and then the game here in town, he was like, Jazz – you must go 0 and 82. They have completely failed in that mission. What the f are they doing? Four and one. I Guys. hope that the NBA is not going to be like the NFL because we we heard earlier when we were talking to uh, to Stanford Route, he talked about the big P word, right? Parody. Yeah. Y'all know what parody means, right? Everybody's mediocre. Mm-hmm. The product is bad. Because when everybody can have a chance to win, that means nobody is good. Stick your hand in there, Dave. First of all, what are you doing in the NFL with the Raiders and the Saints? Raiders now a small favorite. Played this one actually on Sunday night last week as part of a two-team tease with New Orleans out to eight. Uh, That was before all of the horrendous injury news uh, came in for the Saints. So I'm not feeling great about that uh, but of course we don't know what the status of Devontae Adams is going to be for this game so I don't think he can jump on the Raiders side either unless you know whether he's available anything else uh, I actually really love a team that I didn't think I would ever say this about this year the Indianapolis Colts uh, oh, wow. I think the switch to Ellinger is going to force them to be more of a committed running team 
I think the Washington Commanders are one of the worst teams in the NFL. And if you're someone who's worried about Sam Ellinger, might I introduce you to Taylor Heineke, <laughs> who had a 14% turnover-worthy play rate. One in every seven plays was worthy of a turnover. They just nice. didn't all turn into it. I am playing Geno and the Seahawks minus three against your Giants. And Hater! Again, Hater. I will bet against Jake Paul. I took Anderson Silva in the fights tomorrow, plus 175. Have a great weekend.